This is tape 5 in our series on personal temptation. Recapping Dr. Joel Hunter's subjects to this point, tape 1 dealt with why to fight appetite, tape 2 why to annul rebellion, tape 3 the temptation for revenge, and tape 4 breaking free from fear and suspicion. And Dr. Hunter's topic for this message, hauntings from the past for the future. From the New American Standard, 1 Samuel chapter 28, verses 3 through 20, will be Dr. Hunter's scripture text. Now Samuel was dead, and all Israel had lamented him, and buried him in Ramah, his own city. And Saul had removed from the land those who were mediums and spiritists. So the Philistines gathered together, and came and camped in Shunem. And Saul gathered all Israel together, and they camped in Gilboa. When Saul saw the camp of the Philistines, he was afraid, and his heart trembled greatly. When Saul inquired to the Lord, the Lord did not answer him, either by dreams or by Urim, or by prophets. Then Saul said to his servants, Seek for me a woman who is a medium, that I may go to her and inquire of her. And his servants said to him, Behold, there is a woman who is a medium at Endor. Then Saul disguised himself by putting on other clothes, and went, he and two men with him. And they came to the woman by night, and he said, Conjure up for me, please, and bring up for me whom I shall name to you. But the woman said to him, Behold, you know what Saul has done, how he has cut off those who are mediums and spiritists from the land. Why are you then laying a snare for my life to bring about my death? And Saul vowed to her by the Lord, saying, As the Lord lives, there shall no punishment come upon you for this thing. Then the woman said, Whom shall I bring up for you? And he said, Bring up Samuel for me. When the woman saw Samuel, she cried out with a loud voice, and the woman spoke to Saul, saying, Why have you deceived me? For you are Saul. And the king said to her, Do not be afraid, but what do you see? And the woman said to Saul, I see a divine being coming up out of the earth. And he said to her, What is his form? And she said, An old man is coming up, and he is wrapped with a robe. And Saul knew that it was Samuel, and he bowed with his face to the ground and did homage. Then Samuel said to Saul, Why have you disturbed me by bringing me up? And Saul answered, I am greatly distressed, for the Philistines are waging war against me, and God has departed from me and answers me no more, either through prophets or by dreams. Therefore I have called you, that you may make known to me what I should do. And Samuel said, Why then do you ask me, since the Lord has departed from you and has become your adversary? And the Lord has done accordingly as he spoke through me. For the Lord has torn the kingdom out of your hand and given it to your neighbor, to David. As you did not obey the Lord and did not execute his fierce wrath on Amalek, so the Lord has done this thing to you this day. Moreover, the Lord will also give over Israel along with you into the hands of the Philistines. Therefore tomorrow you and your sons will be with me. Indeed, the Lord will give over the army of Israel into the hands of the Philistines. Then Saul immediately fell full length upon the ground and was very afraid because of the words of Samuel. And there was no strength in him, for he had eaten no food all day and all night. And now let's join Dr. Joel Hunter for part five in his series on personal temptation for his message, Hauntings from the Past for the Future. The scripture this morning is from 1 Samuel chapter 28, starting with verse 3. Now Samuel was dead, and all Israel had lamented him and buried him in Ramah, his own city. And Saul had removed from the land those who were mediums and spiritists. 
So the Philistines gathered together and came and camped in Shunem. And Saul gathered all Israel together, and they camped in Gilboa. And when Saul saw the camp of the Philistines, he was afraid, and his heart trembled greatly. When Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord did not answer him, either by dreams or by Urim or by prophets. Then Saul said to his servants, Seek for me a woman who is a medium, that I may go to her and inquire of her. And his servants said to him, Behold, there is a woman who is a medium at Endor. And then Saul disguised himself by putting on other clothes, and went he and two men with him, and they came to the woman by night. And he said, Conjure up for me, please, and bring up for me whom I shall name to you. But the woman said to him, Behold, you know what Saul has done, how he has cut off those who are mediums and spiritists from the land. Why are you then laying a snare for my life to bring about my death? And Saul vowed to her by the Lord, saying, As the Lord lives, there shall be no punishment come upon you for this thing. Then the woman said, Whom shall I bring up for you? And he said, Bring up Samuel for me. When the woman saw Samuel, she cried out with a loud voice. And the woman spoke to Saul, saying, Why have you deceived me? For you are Saul. And the king said to her, Do not be afraid, but what do you see? And the woman said to Saul, I see a divine being. The, the Hebrew is Elohim. And it can mean gods or supernatural spirits. I see a supernatural spirit coming up out of the earth. And he said to her, What is his form? And she said, An old man is coming up, and he is wrapped with a robe. And Saul knew that it was Samuel, and he bowed his face to the ground and did homage. Then Samuel said to Saul, Why have you disturbed me by bringing me up? And Saul answered, I am greatly distressed, for the Philistines are waging war against me, and God has departed from me and answers me no more either by prophets or by dreams. Therefore, I have called you that you may make known to me what I should do. In our journey towards spiritual maturity, when we get into a high-stress, intimidating situation, it is not uncommon for us to face the personal temptation of going into our past and raising up powerful specters that continue to control us instead of seeking the Lord continually. This morning we're going to talk about those memories which are really ghosts. And we have a little illustration for you to begin. My wife and I had devoted our relationship to the Lord and had been in some counseling for some time to prepare for marriage. Well, that is, if you can prepare for marriage. <laughs> but we seem to be doing okay. I love my work. And at times I found myself giving more to that than to her. But we'd talk about it and try to compromise. 
she'd often work with me down at the office, which was great. <laughs> well, we never pretended that there never were any real problems, though. I mean, but our love seemed strong. I mean, we really had a lot of fun with each other. We were really very, very close. I mean, we'd pray together for many of our friends whose marriages seemed to be falling apart. I mean, we'd pray for renewed love for them, for the hope of Christ. We shook our heads in despair as many of them seemed to lose their grasp and let it just slip through their fingers. Well, then the company sent me out of town for a couple of months. And, uh, I mean, I didn't really want to go. My heart was with what the company was doing here. And, of course, my wife was here, too. I had an affair. I don't know why. I mean, I I'm, don't think I'm in love with the other woman. I, I know she's not in love with me. So was it lust? Insecurity? I mean, the running away from the day-to-day burden of ordinary life? I, uh, I still don't seem to know. My wife wants to work it out. Uh, I mean, we're together right now, uh, going for counseling. But I don't think it's going to work. I love her, I I do know that, but I I don't think it's going to work. I I mean, I had an affair. I broke a vow. I could do it again. I couldn't stand that. I'm weak. I, 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 I betrayed a promise. I mean, how can I recommit if, if I know I can break it? No, it would just be better not to make that commitment. I can't trust myself. I mean, if I did it once, I could do it again. And, and I couldn't live with myself. I, I mean, it would hurt her even worse. No, I, I just can't trust myself. They say that success in high school guarantees failure in life. Well, I was a success in high school. I mean, just look at me now. Can you imagine how cute I was back then? I was a cheerleader, track star, dated the student council president, got mostly straight A's. Well, I got that one C in home ec, but, you know, that just made me seem even cooler because modern women don't do kitchens anymore. (laughs) I even won a journalism scholarship to the state university. You know, I wrote editorials for my high school paper. And one of them was picked up by the university's paper, which was a first. I made news with my news. (laughs) And then I was asked to read it at the graduation ceremonies. It was entitled, Earthquake Foundation Guidelines. And it paralleled California's earthquake laws with the high school years. (laughs) Some of you have read it. It was all about how to lay an unshakable foundation upon which to build a strong character for a successful life. It made some good points. I I didn't take the um, journalism scholarship. It just didn't work out. You know, timing and and stuff like that. Oh, I don't regret it. My life has been really nice. I mean, well, you see, the thing is that earthquake article had created such a fuss. You know, it it became bigger than life, certainly bigger than me. And people would come up to me and say, oh, I enjoyed the article so much, I can't wait to read your next article. And I didn't want to disappoint them. So I didn't write a next article. In fact, I haven't written anything since. But I don't, I, I don't regret that. I mean, that was a special time. I was lucky to have had that success. It's a good memory. 
I know college would have been different. I, I couldn't have lived up to that reputation. No. No, that was a good time. It was a special, good memory. And I don't regret it. My life has been really nice. So I says to her, you know what they're thinking, don't you? You look like an idiot. They know you don't know what you're doing. Why don't you stop now and you might get out of this with a shred of dignity? There's too much risk involved. If you fail, and you probably will, you'll be shunned. It's too late in life to take a class now. You're too old to learn. And as for you, it's too late to call your brother. It's been too long. You called him now, it would be awkward and embarrassing. It's too early in that new relationship with your friend to tell her how much you appreciate her friendship. She might misinterpret it, think you're making a pass at her. And then what would you do? How humiliating. And you! Stop even thinking you've got anything to offer anyone. Don't you get it? Everyone can do everything better than you can. And while they're doing it, they're thinking about what a loser you are. Hello, I'm the demon of insecurity. Well, like you didn't know me. I live with most of you. In fact, three out of four of you prefer me over any other life partner. I'm natural. Well, I gotta go. I got a job to do. Come on, let's go. Come on, let's go. Hurry up. Will you come on? You're gonna get me in trouble. He might be watching. How can you not be chained to your past? Either because it's so bad you want to forget it, or it's so good you can't forget it. How can it be that you can live a life that you don't live more in the past when you're scared than you do in the present, and therefore be, become paralyzed by your intimidation of how it used to be. Let's talk about Saul for a little while this morning. Let's talk about a life that started out so great. Here was a man who was so naturally gifted. He was handsome. He was tall. I know how that is. <laughs> he was a great military leader, had a tremendous mentor in Samuel. But his life that started out with such great potential went down the tubes. At one point in his life, he contradicted the orders of Samuel, who told him how to complete his victory, and he did just the opposite. At another point in life, when another young man named David came along and won even more victories than Saul, instead of thanking God for the help, he became literally insanely jealous. And what 
started out so right, ended up so wrong. As a matter of fact, in 1 Samuel 28, the incident here is a microcosm of Samuel's entire life. You see, he started out doing exactly what the Lord wanted him to do. In verse 3, it says, And Saul had removed from the land those who were mediums and spiritists. The Bible says, the Word of God says in Leviticus, in Deuteronomy, and in other parts of the Bible, have nothing to do with mediums. Have nothing to do with spiritists. And so he did what was right. But then he faced what was a very intimidating situation. The Philistines showed up on the doorstep. And he saw the magnitude of their army and he got very, very scared. And his next step was also what was right. He went and he sought the Lord. But he didn't get an immediate answer from the Lord. As a matter of fact, he didn't get an answer at all. Now there's a reason for that. All his life, Saul sought to use the Lord to save his sorry skin. And I want to say to you at the beginning of this, this is not the point of the message, but I do want to insert this because it's a very important message. God will not be used. He is not there for our use. We are here for His use. And when you seek God... For only utilitarian purposes, you will have the response of silence. And if, by some chance, you don't get the response of silence, the answer you get will be much more than you bargained for. God will not simply be used. So, what did Saul do? Saul did what we all do. He thought to himself, how did I get into this situation? And immediately, he was attracted toward an idol in his past. In Saul's case, it was a great teacher. And he thought to himself, if only I could have access to that teacher, I would listen to him this time. Meanwhile, he was thinking all of the thoughts of guilt of his past. Oh, I should have. Oh, I could have. Oh, I would have. If only... And he was thinking to himself, if I could revive the past, if I could only speak to it again, I could find an answer to the present. Still, his goal was not to get close to the Lord and simply to have access to God and be with God. Still, his goal was just to get an answer. And so, he took the quantum leap from verse 3 to verse 7. Verse 3, And Saul had removed from the land those who were mediums. Verse 7, Seek for me a woman who is a medium. I will go back. I will try to face my past. I will try to work it out. Do you know how many people these days are trying to solve their problems by living in their past and facing their past? Let me give you Two no-nos that are very important when it comes to solving your problems. And you are tempted to solve them by living in your past 
and trying to reconcile yourself to your past. First, no, no. Don't ever forget this. Don't rethink what is right in light of your present circumstances. Let me repeat that. Don't rethink what is right in light of your present circumstances. Saul knew what was right. He was right in verse 3. He was right to go through the Word of God, to obey God, and to cast all the mediums out of the land. He was right. But when he did not get what seemed a practical answer to him, this is what he did. Well, maybe that isn't right for me. Maybe that's right for everybody else, and maybe that's right as a general principle, but I have special circumstances here, so maybe I ought to rethink, in light of my present circumstances, what is really right. How many people, how often do you find yourself saying that? Oh, I know what's right and wrong generally, but in my case, I've thought it out, and I really think this is the right thing to do. I'll go back, and I will raise up a godly man And I will face that advice, and this time I'll do it. That would be the right thing to do. I tell you that whenever you rethink what is right, now not how to apply truth to your present situation, everybody needs to do that. But when you're rethinking what is right, you enter into a deception of Satan. Could I suggest this interpretation to you because I think it's the right one? This is Luther's interpretation. This is Calvin's interpretation. I stand in this interpretation also. Do you really think this was Samuel who got raised up here? Would God say, eradicate all of the mediums from the land and then directly work through a medium? Would God contradict the way he speaks to people? Would God refuse to give Saul an answer face to face but be coerced into giving him an answer through Saul or through Samuel? Absolutely not. This was a demonic specter. Used of God for a, for a correct prediction but it was a demonic specter. It was a demonic deception. Whenever we say, you know, what's right for everybody else isn't necessarily right for me, you're dealing in a demonic deception. Don't rethink what is right. Cling to what is right. Be simple about what is right. Do what is right. Stick to what is right. No matter how it looks like it's going to work out. Life will become a lot less complicated and a lot more glorifying to God. Let me tell you a story. Immanuel Kant, one of the greatest philosophers that ever lived in history, he changed the course of philosophy. When Immanuel Kant was growing up, he had a very simple father who loved the truth and who told the truth in all circumstances. He knew it was right and he did it. One day, this is hundreds of years ago, Immanuel Kant's father was going through the forest and he was descended upon by a brigand of bandits. And they took all of his money and they took all his, they took his horse and they even took his prayer book. And then they looked at him. He was absolutely terrified, absolutely petrified. And they said, have we got it all? Have you given us all your money? And he shook and he said, yes, you've got it. And they rode away. And as his hand came down, he touched in his robe 
coins of gold that he had sewn there precisely for the purposes of not getting stolen when he got, if, if he got held up. Now, what I'm about to tell you will seem very odd to you. As a matter of fact, some of you may disagree with what he's done because you think this all the way through and say, well, this is really promoting robbery. But he was so ashamed that he had told a lie even in the midst of fear and had such a compulsion to undo that lie that he sought those robbers out. And he came upon them and he handed them the coins and he said, when you robbed me, I was so frightened, I literally forgot about this money. You asked me if it was all my money and I lied, this is all my money. They were so startled, they gave him back all his stuff. (laughs) But whether or not they gave him back all his stuff is not the point at all. The point is he had something he knew was right and he did it no matter what his present circumstances were. He could have justified very easily keeping that money and seemed like he was doing what was right to himself. But he didn't rethink right or wrong in his present circumstances. He just knew to do what was right. If Saul would have stuck with what is right, the outcome may have been different. Now, here's the second no-no. The second no-no is to learn from your past. You've got to be aware of your past. It can shed some light on your present. But don't live in your past. Can I give you a correlation here? The more time you, you spend thinking about your past, the less energy and appreciation you have for your present. You've only got so much energy in this life, and you can't live there and live here too. You can't try to reconcile things there and take care of business here. It just doesn't work. And when Saul raised up Samuel, and was trying to go into his past, he wasn't dealing with his present. He was just trying to find some sort of answer to get him out of his stress. And he wasn't facing his relationship with the Lord. And his vanquished answers from the Lord, he was just trying to get out of the situation. Do you remember in school reading a poem, an ancient poem, Samuel Taylor Taylor Coleridge, not ancient, but it's a couple hundred years old now, The Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner. Remember that poem? Do you remember the content of that poem? There is a a sailor who, who embarks on a voyage, and the first several days of that voyage are very good, and then they hit a horrible storm, and the storm drives their ship south from Africa into Antarctic weather. And, and surroundings, and they're going toward the South Pole, and they're all absolutely devastated. There isn't a sign of life anywhere around them. And in the sky, they spot this oncoming huge sea bird called an albatross. And they beckon it as a sign from God that their fortune is going to change. And sure enough, as that albatross circles that ship, Incessantly, the winds shift and the ship begins to make its way northward. Well, the presence of that albatross is so irritating to this ancient mariner 
that impulsively he shoots and kills the albatross with his crossbow. And this huge bird falls on the deck of the ship. At that point, there is a general sense that he has done a horrible thing. Indeed, the winds stop and the ship is helpless again. And all of the other crew members look at him and accuse him of being the cause of their trouble. Indeed, they hang that huge dead bird literally around his neck. And as this ship drifts hopelessly on the water, there comes the specter of another ship. And on this ship are two characters, death and death in life. And they're rolling dice to see who gets the lives of these sailors. And death wins every life except for the life of the ancient mariner. And death in life wins him. And one by one, this man with this huge bird around his neck, this symbol of his guilt, the symbol of his past, watches his fellow crewmen drop dead, all with a stare toward him. And he hears their spirits whiz by him, quote, like the sound of the arrow from a crossbow. And all of them die. All of them stare at him. And then the bodies begin to decay. And he loathes the life forms that he sees. Day after day, he wishes he could die. But one day, one night rather, everything changes. As he looks out from the ship, he sees the only other living form in the water, the only other thing that's alive, water snakes. And as they reflect the beams from the moon, there is a warmth in his heart. For the first time, toward the life that God has surrounded him with. As a matter of fact, all living creatures, he now senses a love for. And the moment he senses that love, that bird drops from his neck into the sea and as the poem says, sinks like lead into the sea. Do you understand the analogy here? You can carry around your past with you. But... Only as you begin to love the life that surrounds you now will that past drop off in its power to make you feel guilty. The cure of all of this, both intimidation by good memories and fear from bad memories, is in Jesus Christ. That's the life that surrounds you. You see, all of history was given to us to make Life in our future different from life in our past. Not to match the past, but to make it different from the past. And Jesus Christ has the power to do that. And so you come to Him, very simply, to live with Him. 
Not just to release you from the memories that intimidate you or the hopes you know you'll never accomplish. Not just to release, but just to live with the life that He's given you and to be glad of it. And as you've done that, as you do that, you can say no to the ghosts of the past. You can say no to their voices that says, that say, you should have, you could have, you shouldn't have. All of those voices that try to drag you back can be banished. Listen, you can't go back and fix anything. Listen, you are free in Jesus Christ. You're released. Those have no power over you as you trade them in for the freedom of Jesus Christ. Pray with me. God, we all deal with memories that intimidate us, especially as we face frustration in our everyday life. Oh, God, that past either looks real good or looks real threatening. It either looks like our answer, if we could only get there again, or it looks like the cause of our problem, if we could only fix it. But, God, the only, only cure for the fears and frustrations of today are in you. Teach us the difference between Saul and the prodigal son. The difference between looking for answers out of our problems and simply wanting to come home and live with you in whatever condition you'll have us. And for this morning, Lord God, if there are people here who just say, Jesus, I just want to live with you in whatever condition you'll have me. Let those memories right now drop from their necks. The intimidation and the fear, let it be banished. And let them be free in you. We pray in your name. Amen. Keep on haunting me Reminders of the things I've done I hoped I'd never see But that voice keeps telling me It's all behind me now Time after time the world gets lonely The ghost of all the things I've said Come creeping in my head I just remember what he said It's all behind me now I'm gonna fly Go! Oh.